0: Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio, your one stop for creative inspiration. We have a terrific hour of ideas and tips for you today, so let's get to it. Here's your host,
1: Pat Sloan. Welcome to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show, and I'm Pat Sloan. If you are on Instagram, which you know you should be, because there's always an amazing amount of beautiful quilts and partial quilts and fabric being shown all the time and if you're there you should be following my next guest who is susan Aki. she is at yard yard girl g r l 60 and if you're not uh, following her yet you should susan wrote a fantastic book about using two and a half inch strips which i'm so excited about susan thank you for being here oh thank you so much for asking me i'm so excited. I know, you know, we all just, like, live for your photos, Susan. We're like, oh, did she put anything new today? You know, it's uh, (laughs) a.
2: You know what? Instagram kind of, like, is, um, it pushes me to do things, but then on the other hand, I stand back and go, oops, maybe I shouldn't post that.
1: (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know, I know. We can't post everything in our, you know, because it would be like, oh, you know, it's, got to keep some secrets, right, Susan? Yeah, a little TMI there. Right, right. (laughs) So tell me about your, just, you know, briefly, what is your background? Did you, have you quilted all your life? Oh, no. Oh, no.
2: My very first quilt was for a gift, and it was Mm -hmm. in Redwork. And I went to my very first quilt show with $20 in my pocket, not even knowing what was going to happen. And I bought a thing called fat quarters. Didn't even know what they were, but I bought red and white. Didn't even know what a quarter-inch seam was. Literally knew nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. And it came to be a 60 by 60 square. And I had to go to the um, home deck store because they don't make 60 by 60 fabric. And I bought a 60 by 60 piece of fabric for my backing. It is very durable. Let's put it that way. My mother oh, yeah. still uses it on her kitchen table. Oh my
1: goodness! Oh my goodness! Yeah, durable. That would be the word for that. Very durable. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about because most of we would talk about your book, but your book is filled with the types of quilts that you have been showing us for a while, um, and the quilts that you love to make. Uh, your color sense is so interesting. Has it changed since you've started? You no, know, since that oh, deck. Gobs, <laughs> gobs, gobs and gobs.
2: You know, first of all, I'm drawn to anything of color. So I've gone. My whole house changes with my color mm-hmm. because, like, when I I've done reproduction, I've done primitives, I've done. Now I think I'm in my happy place. It's more of that softer, vintage, brighter. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to explain that kind of color. I always think of a circus when mm-hmm. I think of my colors in my house now. <laughs> but it's so um easy for me to look at a reproduction and think, "Ooh, wouldn't that be pretty in a bedroom?" And then I want to paint the whole bedroom.
1: Right. Yeah, so match you the just quilt. De- yeah, decorate to match your quilts. Up that sounds like fun. You be very Yeah, busy. it is. It's expensive. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> Easier just to make the quilts, right? That's like Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So one of the one of the things that you use a lot, and I think you have a little bit of an interesting um, use of them, are the precuts. Like you, uh, you know, do you ever decorate with them, or do you always just sort of dive in when you get them?
2: I am one of those ones that untie the tie right away. I know, okay. I know, I know. People
1: are fainting. They heard. I you. know,
2: but that's okay. I have a drawer full of all the ties and the tags attached. <laughs> so I don't get rid of them. Yeah. No, I untie. I, I like, I want to see it. I want to, um, I should start out by saying I'm a huge charm square purchaser. Mm. I like charm squares because it gives me a sense of what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And that gives me a sense of if I want to go that direction on anything I do. But when I get the pre-cut that matches that, it gives me a broader view of the whole fabric, mm-hmm. you know, from end to end. So that's why I like to take it apart and see what I'm looking at.
1: So how are you storing, like, your charm packs? So you, like, splitting them up into colors or are you keeping those together so you can buy the other pieces? Well, Charm
2: Packs are kind of like, um, I collect paint chips. So Charm mm-hmm. Packs and cha- paint chips kind of like go into a basket all into themselves. They're mm-hmm. really never used unless I'm lacking a one, two-inch block somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I kind of collect those because that's they're always my starting ground for a palette for whatever I'm doing, mm-hmm. along with paint chips, and I'll think, hmm, okay, I've got solids here, I've got this, I've got, you know, that's how I kind of like draw from my stuff. So that's always my starting ground. They're never really used. They're kind of in a pile in a mush and a basket mm-hmm. and it, it's not pretty.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, it's creative. That's the good part. It's creative. Um, exactly. So when you start with your your book is about using the two and a half inch strips, which I think is is wonderful because people buy the gorgeous jelly rolls and then they're like, okay, what do I make? You know, like, you know, they have it now. How did you? Um, appr- how do you approach? Maybe that's the way to say. How do you approach those two and a half inch strips for working with them?
2: Well, when you take it apart, you get a better feel for what you're looking at. In a jelly roll, you're going to get probably four different colorways of the same print. Well, mm-hmm. I don't want, in my own personal quilts, touchies all over the place.
1: Mm-hmm. So, <laughs>
2: touchies, like yes. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. I like to split them up. That way I know if, say, let's just say this jelly roll has four pretty greens in it. Oh, wait, you know what? I think I want to do something with some more greens. Well, then I go to my stash and I pull another jelly roll that's already been unrolled and pull out greens from there. And I just, because I separate by color, everything is separated by color. Mm -hmm. I can pull any kind of green I want at that point. Mm
1: -hmm. How do you store all this with these strips?
2: Well, I have, I have a, um, that like is I think it's called the Alpha System. I got it at the container mm-hmm. store a zillion years ago. And it's these little, um, like, wire baskets that, like, mm-hmm. roll out. And then, like, if if it's like a fat quarter, I store those folded like a half yard, put in with my stash. And I take over every closet in the house. <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I mean, my husband has a place for his clothes, and that's all, you know. he, that's need he much needs. That's all he needs.
1: No, he right. doesn't. Yeah, that's, he's I've good. asked him to
2: move his things to the front <laughs> closet where you hang the coats, but he hasn't gone that way yet.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. So in the book, you have 13. Uh, it's called Start With Strips, and you have 13 quilts. What? Um, what? Tell me about one of them. What would be one that you thought really turned out maybe more interesting for you to make or, like, had a little bit of a journey while you were making it?
2: Well, you know, the one I'm getting the most buzz about happens to be my favorite and actually was the journey that got me to the, loving it more than I even thought I would. And it's called Airboats. Mm-hmm. And the reason is it's got so many colors in one little block. And then when you put all those little blocks side by side by side by side, it's just colorful and happy but on the other hand, it's the same exact quilt I could see done in Christmas colors or patriotic colors. Mm-hmm. It, I can see it finished in so many different ways that it just makes me the happiest when I look at it. I like the way the block is constructed. I, I went a zillion different round and round ways, and there really was only one way to construct what I wanted, wanted to look at,
1: mm-hmm. and it's
2: not a hard construction as it turned out. Huh,
1: no, you. who knew? You're very clever. <laughs> this is a very clever block. So, I mean, everybody should just buy this book for that block because it is it is so clever. Did you draft it first? I mean, did you have like a little sketch that you were like then trying to figure out how to make that easily?
2: I drew it out on graph paper kind of like what I wanted it to look like. And then it was kind of like, well, how do I cut that? Because I right. don't like doing cur- I'm not a real crazy about curves kind of girl. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, how do I do this? How do I maneuver it? And then it's just a matter of going into the little drawer and seeing what kind of little tool besides a straight ruler
1: would do something that I wanted it mm-hmm. to do that still made it simple. Okay. Yeah, that's, that is, that you is, know, you know, just sort of working through the process is um, – is interesting, isn't it? Because you discover, like, something you maybe never thought about. Well, that's the fun part,
2: I think, with just playing with fabric, whether it's a two and a half inch strip, whether it's a charm square, cutting it up and seeing what you can make out of it, make different. You don't even necessarily have to cut yours up if you sat with graph paper Mm -hmm. and just kind of, like, drew out what you see in your mind. Sometimes it translates. Sometimes it doesn't. But nine times out of ten, if you just start playing with it first on paper and then get out your ruler, it pretty much usually will translate the way you want it to. Yeah.
1: So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, Susan, in the book, which um, I have to admit, I raised my hand, I'm kind of guilty, I don't do this enough, is you mentioned practice blocks. Tell me a little bit about how you feel about practice blocks.
2: Well... The main reason I make practice blocks is I'm not going to waste all of my pretty fabric that they may never, ever make again on one block that I'll mess up or I don't like. Mm -hmm. So I make a practice block to see if I even want to make enough for an entire quilt, or I make a practice block to see if I can make it easier for myself or if I can make the whole look totally different by changing things in it, and I haven't wasted all good fabric, I use solid fabric. That way oh. I can
1: see it. Okay. So you, you you try to focus your practice ones on solids so that you get the same sense of color, just not using the... Uh the out-of-print fabrics. <laughs> right, they're right. They're never
2: going to make fabric again. You don't know that. I know.
1: <laughs> never. You'll never get another two-and-a-half-inch strip ever. Okay. Ever. <laughs> no, that's why I do
2: I do it out of solids, only because, number one, is solids are very reasonable to work with. Mm-hmm. And I keep a lot of solids on hand. And it's just easier because if you don't have the distraction of a print looking at you while you're trying to figure out what you're doing – you can focus on what it is that you're creating.
1: Yeah, that's, an, that's a very good point because sometimes people get all embedded in the other colors and miss sort of the overall vision of, of what they're doing. Um, exactly. So, so tell me, Susan, one thing before we wrap up. What are you current? What is just real quick? What is your current project? Can you tell us?
2: Well, you know what? I opened the cabinet the other day. And I happened to, by chance, see some peppermint bark. Okay, here it is after Christmas. I'm not supposed to be doing that, right? <laughs> so I decided to go in there and sew. So I made some kaleidoscope red and white blocks instead. Oh, Thinking awesome. Peppermint patties, because I really want that peppermint bark. And it's still sitting there, by the way.
1: Okay, everybody can go visit you at YardGirlGRL60 at Instagram. Thank you, Susan. Thank you. <laughs>
3: the One Million Pillowcase Challenge in March for the Ultimate Pillowcase Competition. Gather a team and compete in one of two categories during the month of March to make pillowcases, earn points, and maybe be crowned the Ultimate Pillowcase Champion. The top three teams in each category will be awarded cash prizes. Even if you're not forming a team, you can watch all the action with weekly voting and daily prizes. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash pillowcase madness for more information.
0: Quilt Along with us in 2017. Join our fourth annual Quilt Along
3: by stitching a wall hanging, a throw, or a one block table topper, or all three projects. Visit allpeoplequilt.com backslash quilt
0: along for a list of participating bloggers and designers and to see photos of what staff members and other readers are sewing. Share your photos on social media by using the hashtag APQQuiltalong to join the fun.
1: Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan. And I'm I'm really excited because around the bobbins, uh, design... uh, you know, designer for around the bobbins is Lisa Amundsen and she has got some really great patterns that are sort of uh home decky in a way and bags and um uh, all kind of, you know a really, really great gnome. She's also the second half of the Twister Sister Ruler team, the company that um, owns those cool rulers you all use. So Lisa, thank you for being here.
3: Thank you, Pat. This is so much fun to be here. Thanks for inviting me.
1: Yeah, I was really glad I got to meet you in person at the trade show. That's always nice, isn't it? Uh, You know, say hi.
3: Yeah, it's a great way to meet other people because so much of our jobs are somewhat isolated when you're sitting and writing patterns so it's right kind yeah of nice to get out and meet some people and see what else is going on out there yeah face to
1: face so you know one of the things you and i talked about was how so many of us come to what we're doing now in the quilt industry from from some other place our paths are um you know all you go all over the place where did where did you start out? You didn't start out as in the quilt design business.
3: No, I definitely didn't. Um, and it's so true. Everybody just has their own story, which I find really fun. Mm-hmm. I, um, I got a degree in English way back when, and then I went to law school. And instead of publish, or, uh, practicing law, I ended up going into the legal publishing world, and I worked as an editor. Oh. Um, and then later got into more of a product project management, and then product development role. Oh, so it's that's... a far cry from from designing yeah. right. things with fabric. <laughs> right. But you have that nice
1: writer background, that editor background, which I'm sure is very helpful for writing patterns now. So
3: Yeah, definitely. The writing that I had to do had to be very um, cut and dried mm. and sort of methodical, which I think actually when you're writing, you want to get to the point. So that, right. that's really good. Yeah. And then – I did a lot of product development, which is um, a lot of the same kinds of things that you do when you're designing a pattern. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to figure out all those geeky type product development questions like, who is this for? What do they want? Mm -hmm. Um, What is going to give them a really good experience and make them happy with the product when they're done with it? And that's the stuff that gets me excited.
1: Yeah, that's neat. I hadn't really thought about that for product development. Yeah, you have to ask a different sort of set of questions of yourself and what you're you're designing. Um, when did you make your first? When did you design the first thing?
3: Um, I started designing in about two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, um, and it wasn't for sale. I just started. Oh. You know, I, I have a hard time following a pattern. <laughs> I I start. Start with it, and it looks exciting. And they think, "Well, I want to change this, this, and this. right." And whether, That's a true know, designer, a us, you know. <laughs> a lot of us are like that. Yeah. And so uh, I kind of just fell into it naturally just by having ideas that I wanted to get out there. Um, and then then some things that kind of came my way were um, a couple things that were happening at that time. A friend of mine saw my a purse that I uh, that I was carrying, which uh-huh. I hadn't made. I got it at some little. Hearst designer thing where you you went you picked out the fabric and then someone else sewed it up and she said oh that's really cute and I said oh thank you you know what you know we could make these you know somehow we got into this discussion and she's like (laughs) I don't sew and I said oh I'll teach you I'd never taught anyone how to sew before but um, we just ended up getting together and I showed her how to do it and we just had so much fun, and it kind of got me going on another one and then another one, and I, I really enjoyed making the bags. So um, that, that really got me going.
1: Yeah, it is funny how one thing can sort of just spur it all on, and then there's like no turning back. All of a sudden, your sort of creative wheels are going. Uh, what What are your favorite – you know, tell me a little bit about the things you design for your company because there's a variety, but they all – Um, you know, you don't make big quilts. You're doing, you know, other types of things that quilters like to make.
3: Yeah, I kind of like a lot of the small projects. Maybe I just like um, instant gratification or something. I don't know. But I I kind (laughs) of like the bags because you can do them in a weekend or a couple evenings. So I started out doing that. Mm -hmm. And then I got into some other things. Um, Marilyn Foreman, who was my other half of Twister Sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, she suggested, you know, there's this new tool out there. This is back in like I don't know, was this 2012 or something like that? Mm-hmm. She said, there's this new tool out there, the Twister tool. And I'm like, oh, this sounds interesting. And she's sharing it with me because mm-hmm. she's an. I can tell you the whole story about her. She lives down the street and around the corner, and we met through our boys. And um oh. and she told me about these tools. And she said, you have to, you have to kind of see it to understand how it works because it's a little different than most rulers Mm -hmm. and then um, once I tried it I got the bug and so uh, then I created a twister bag and then I I kind of liked playing around with some of the smaller projects so I did some other things like table rudders and then somehow I ended up trying a basket and I kind of liked some of the other home decor (laughs) things I like I like things that you can give as gifts because that's right Um, One of my favorite things to do is is to, you know, come Christmas time, come up with some ideas of things that you can sew, and, you know, they're not going to take you six months to make and then give away. You know, sometimes you're a little bit more under the gun where you just have, like, a week or two or or even an evening, and and that's the kind of thing that really motivates me. Because I think it's, like, a lot of people out there, like, we all Mm – want to create you know a lot of people just enjoy that side of their lives but if they're working full-time or you know have right we don't
1: don't always have the time so these small things are just wonderful you know like uh and and like you said you can't you don't if you're giving a gift sometimes to a person you're not really always sure like do they want useful things you know like or do they like decorator things so you have like this nice variety of um Project. So tell me a bit about the Pass the Hot Dish one, because I think that's really clever.
3: Well, that one that one started, again, out of, I don't know, kind of a need, where every time we would have um, a family get together, it seemed like we were passing dishes around the table. <laughs> the, the ultimate Minnesota thing is the hot dish, right? We mm-hmm. all joke about it around here. And it's a dish you make in your 9x13 pan. You know, for, for us, it's usually like a lasagna or something mm-hmm. like that. And, um, you can't pass those things. They're just too hot. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I had it in the back of my mind for actually like three years where I'm like, I got to make a hot dish basket. I got to oh. make a hot <laughs> dish basket. And then about a year ago, I sewed one up and I didn't like it. It was like, mm-hmm. it was okay, but it wasn't yeah. like it didn't get me excited. And I'm just, I just keep picking away at these things sometimes. Like, I'll mm-hmm. I do a lot of iterations on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I tried another version of it and another version. And about when I got to about the third or fourth version, um, this idea came to me that I could trade it in a way that you could flip it so that you can make it useful, and then flip it back, the sides back, and make it flat so you could store it away. And then I got really excited about it because it wasn't just a basket. It was something that would actually fit in my cupboard. Mm -hmm. And everybody has that same problem where, you know, what do you do with all this stuff? You know, we all love to create, but... um, I don't want to fill my cupboards up with baskets either.
1: So Well, I think that that so. was the most clever part of it is that it stores flat because you could make seasonal ones um and and for something that you don't use every day, flat is wonderful. <laughs> That's, good yeah, job. You could
3: have a whole bunch of them and then stack them together in your I actually have a basket cupboard which is full already. So <laughs> I can actually fit these in there. Oh my so that's God. that's what got that started and then um and then I was off and running. I I love creating things that are when it when it comes to practical items like that, it's nice when there's something that they're not terribly difficult either. And so I I played around with it a hundred more times. A hundred, yeah. Yeah. 100. <laughs> <To get laughs> so to when to the point where I thought it was ready.
1: So what is a tip for making something like that or your bags? Because you have interfacings and things that make them uh, you're not using batting, are you? You're using some other stuff?
3: Yeah. It. It. Um. One of the things I think with interfacing that's that's really important is is to choose the kind of interfacing that's right for the the project that you're working on. And so there, it's not a one size fits all. Mm-hmm. Um, it really depends on what the effect is that you're trying to get. So um, with a lot of my bags, well, I use Shapeflex on everything, which is mm-hmm. um, the woven fusible interfacing that's cotton and so because it it works and it breathes like our cotton fabric it's paired well with our our fabric and it works very well because it it's not super stiff and it it just gives any any cotton quilting fabric more body and so that just becomes a layer that um, gets attached to it Um, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't give things um, strength and stability so Mm -hmm. Um, I'm pretty much always coupling that with something and this is just standard bag making stuff I don't think mm-hmm. it's anything different but um, I usually pair it with either a soft and stable if I want to quilt something because I really like how the stitching shows up on that
1: oh yeah um, because uh-huh.
3: it's got the, the puffiness to it mm-hmm. anytime you do um, like some heavier extended stitching it really pops up and makes it beautiful I've Um, all my twister bags, I I really like it on that.
2: And Mm -hmm. I I
3: had a bag I did a few years ago called the Olivia bag that had like four rows of stitching on the bottom base. And, um, there wasn't anything that created the effect like that soft and stable. (laughs) Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Two really good examples, I would say, but a lot of my other bags, I love the, um, so, so lazy stiff stuff. Um, Mm -hmm. I really love the effect of that. And both of those, I actually prefer the non-fusible kind because yeah. um, it seems to fit better when you um, when you finish it, it. You don't get any of that puckering, and you don't get the um, the the bended look. Like sometimes, mm-hmm. you, you know, if you you could take something that you sew with, um, if you combine the shape flex and then the stiff stuff, you can crunch it all the way down with your fist and let it mm-hmm. pop, and it pops back up, and oh. it looks it looks just perfect you know it doesn't it doesn't wrinkle or anything yeah it doesn't make it all
1: crazy uh out of shape then yeah yeah but it it
3: gives it body Mm -hmm. and then like there's other projects like i did this flared top basket pattern a few years ago and there i needed something stiffer um and so I experimented with all the basic ones and ended up with a Peltex. But then if you try the fusible Peltex, it looks wrinkled. So then I tried uh, the other uh, ones. Yeah. Good.
1: So, so I all, that, all experimenting, that experimenting, you well, so, you know, this has been really fun, Lisa. Um we are we are almost done. I want people to visit you at around the bobbin uh and check out you have tutorials there and check out your patterns.
3: Yes, please do. And and also twister sisters We yes. um both Marilyn and I have worked really hard to create um, some patterns that use the tools in different ways, so we're super excited about that.
4: Quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. To avoid mixing up various size strips once cut, you can write the measurements on the strip selvage. Get two full years of American Patchwork and Quilting delivered right to your door for the price of one. That's a full year free. Every issue is packed with never-before-seen projects from top designers, detailed photography, complete materials lists, and easy to use pull out patterns and quilting diagrams. Subscribe today at allpeoplequilt.com.
1: Welcome back to American Patchwork and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, Pat Sloan, and don't forget to check out AroundTheBobbin.com with Lisa and uh, try out her things. So this show was brought to you by uh, Moda Fabrics, and there is uh, a lot of cool stuff coming up at Moda in the future. I wanted you to to tell you to check out Lydia Nelson's new line that has that's kind of, it's sort of more for her boys. She has three boys, and there's a lot of trucks and. Really neat um, graphics on those. And then I also am looking forward to Zen Chic's uh, winter line. It is just beautiful. That will be coming out later. Later on, you can ask yours. It's called White Christmas. It's got metallics in it. That will be super fun. You just ask your local quilt shop if they're going to be getting these lines in for you. So we're going to spend the second half of the show talking to Sue Pellin. I am very excited to do this because she likes applique. I like applique, and she has some very um, interesting ways and approaches. And so her designs are really exciting. Uh, and we're just and she also has a varied background. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Sue, I am so glad to talk with you. Well, thank you, Pat. I'm pleased to be here. You know, when we when we were writing back and forth about, um, you know, what we're going to talk about, I would just say that the uh, first thought I ca- that came to me, Sue, was like, oh, my gosh, she's fearless. She's just <laughs> out there. <laughs> You're out oh, there thank trying. to you. you know, you told me you started quilting when you were, like, 13. Um, I did. That's like, what teenager quilts when they're 13? (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: you know, I was very close to my mom at that time, and it's something that she wanted to learn to do. And we thought it would be something that would be fun to do together.
1: Well, you know, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So we took a class at a
0: local high school, you know, a community education class. Mm -hmm. And that's what got me hooked on quilting at the young age of 13.
1: So you just, you know, can you even remember, can you remember taking that class? You know, I don't
0: remember the class specifically, but I certainly remember the project, and I still have it. Oh. In pieces. (laughs) (laughs) I never put that quilt together. Oh. Because the teacher was really, she was really a beginner herself. Oh. And she taught us how to make all these beautiful blocks but we ended up with 12 different blocks in 12 different sizes. And at the end of the class, she said, now let's just have you put those all together and quilt that, and then the class was done, and we really didn't know how to proceed after that. So we went to the (laughs) local uh, bookstore, and we got Mm -hmm. some books out about quilting, and we really learned through books, and that's how we
1: continued our quilting journey you know you you and your mom must have been very determined to do this i mean <laughs> we
0: were really um you know it's in our blood um, mm-hmm. my grandmothers were both seamstresses they worked in the mills in mm-hmm. in massachusetts and so it's just something that we both grew up with with people sewing around us mm-hmm. and you know quilting got really big in the in uh, around the bicentennial and we saw that kind of resurgence in quilting, and we thought it would be fun to try. So after we took that class at the community education program, we kind of looked at each other and said, "You know, we could have taught that class better ourselves because <laughs> the teacher was really a beginner." Yeah. So we did. We about a year or two later, we opened up a quilt shop.
1: And oh my that, gosh! When I
0: started, yeah, I started um, <laughs> to teach when I was just 16 years old. Yo, and that's the part my where my mom through high
1: school. That's like that's where it's fearless. You're just like, okay, you know, you know, we can do do this. this. Hey, we could just open a quilt shop. Why not? Um, Yeah. Well, that's my mom's influence for sure. Yeah. Now, when you were 16 and you were teaching the classes, was that common where you lived to see, you know, for were you kind of like? uh, Oh gosh. People like what? (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, it was kind of a novelty, but my mom yeah. was really the shop owner and the teacher, mm-hmm. but we just did everything together. So we mm-hmm. would go to the the best quilt show in the area. At that time it was the Vermont Quilt Festival. Oh, yeah. And the biggest names in quilting were coming there to teach. So mm-hmm. we would go take their classes. And my mom focused on all the hand applique and hand piecing and hand quilting classes. And I went there to learn what was new and exciting and fun that I would keep my interest. As a teenager, I wanted to get things done quickly and easily. I didn't have the patience for all the handwork. Mm -hmm. So I kind of stayed on top of what was new, and my mom did all the traditional stuff. So because of that, I have a really good foundation in the basics and in traditional quilting and what you know what quality is all about and doing mm-hmm. things the old-fashioned way but i wanted to make it fast and
1: fun right right and oh. that's how i got my start you know it's such an education you got really because how how not everybody has access to a big show so there you were you you were able to go where you could get that sort of, you know, training via the right. classes. Yeah, that is incredible. Uh-huh. So when you, when you graduated from high school, what did you do?
0: Well, I was, I was here in the middle of textile country. You know, the Northeast mm-hmm. is big in the textile world. So I went to school for textile chemistry. Ah. And our, our local um, uh, college, our state college, had a wonderful textile program, and it was just 20 minutes down the street from our house. So, I went to state, state school and I got my degree in textile chemistry, and that led me to a job at Cranston Printworks Company. Now, oh. I don't know if you know much about Cranston. I, I know the, some, but tell everybody. Too. Well, they're the oldest, or they were the oldest textile printing company in the U.S., and they printed VIP fabrics, which is made for quilters.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I was immersed in that world of printing fabric for quilters.
1: Oh, my now, gosh.
0: Favorite parts of that job was because we were making fabric for quilters, the quilters would come in and tour the plant and see how fabric was made. And I got to be a big part of that. I would give them lectures and give them a tour of the plant. And so I I was always working with quilters from the very beginning.
1: Oh my! You know, this is—I just find it so amazing. You know, like—and you still like working with quilters. This is a long time. <laughs> of working with quilters. <laughs> and They're you still are one. <laughs> oh my gosh! So when you when you got that job at Cranston, were you ex- sort of expecting to stay sort of local because the, there were opportunities there? You know, I
0: really kind of went to college expecting to work for Cranston. Uh-huh. That was that was my dream job. Yeah. And when I did land that job, I was very excited because it yeah. was local. I could stay, you know, close to home. I didn't go, mm-hmm. need to go down to North Carolina to work in the textile industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and I really loved that job. It was a big, big part of my life. Even though I only worked there for five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, such when an education
1: I, for you as oh, to learn. Yes. Oh. Oh, you know. Yeah, what? I
0: worked as their. I worked as their color chemist.
1: Okay, and that's so smart. I was Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was working on the formulation of of all the print inks and um paste that they used, and so I was on the on the chemical side of things. So mm-hmm. it wasn't all just. Fun and games in quilting.
1: Right, so they're very technical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the geeky side of it. The uh...
0: it was the geeky side of quilting for sure. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> the part that the quilters are like, okay, just show us the end product. We don't really want to know the chemical formula. So uh... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, when you were there, like you, you did. Did, were there quilters on staff? Because I know, like, nowadays, a lot of, like, like everybody at American Patchwork and Quilting, you know, like, the staff, they all quilt. Um, like, yes. Moda Fabrics, the staff quilts. My editors, mm-hmm. you know, at Martingale, the staff quilts. I mean, everybody who's sort of in the industry. Was it that way at, at Cranston back in, those, in at that period of time? Not
0: at all.
1: Oh. Um, it's...
0: Is and or it was a male-dominated workforce at that time, mm-hmm. and all of the people there were technical people mm-hmm. that dealt with the process and the manufacturing process, yeah. and they didn't have any knowledge of quilting whatsoever mm-hmm. um, because I was strictly in the plant. I did not deal at all with the design phase of mm-hmm. the process. That was mm-hmm. all done in New York, and I didn't have a part in that. Um so no I was one of the very first female employees. Mm-hmm. And um I was a bit of a novelty around the manufacturing plant.
1: <laughs> and you were probably young, so a young female in there. I the, was. Yeah. Yeah. I was only 20 years old when I started working yeah. there. So did you tell everybody, you know, hey, I'll teach you to quilt since you know you'd already been doing that since you were, you know, 13, you've been teaching people to quilt?
0: Well, you know, I did. I offered that. Um there were other female employees but not um not on the management side or on the technical mm-hmm. side. Uh, the employees the female employees were like the fabric inspectors and mm-hmm. the fabric testers. Mm-hmm. And so there was a, a group of women there and um of course um I offered to teach classes there and so in the evening we would. We get together and quilt and um it was wonderful because it gave those people that worked with the fabric all day long a real purpose and Mm an understanding of how it was used in the end
1: that's really cool and like nowadays so many men quilts you know you probably would have had a different group of people even than you know if you were if that was happening now you know be like you'd that's have a
0: very true that's yeah. very true i'm dating myself a little bit because this was quite a while <laughs> well, ago
1: yeah and 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 men did we know now men you know there's a lot of documentation that men did quilt but it wasn't as common as it is now so you right, know exactly yeah just uh so so when When you were there, you were there a few years, and um, so you made another change. Uh, Did you stay in quilting or did you leave it for a while?
0: Well, I left the textile industry because I was starting my family. Oh. So I decided I wanted to be that stay at home mom. Mm -hmm. So I had um, three children within five years. Oh, busy. (laughs) Yeah, so I was a quite busy young mother of three. But I did continue my quilting because that was my outlet. That was my night out once a month out of the house to go to my local quilting guild. And the local quilting guild played a huge part in my quilting education and my um, uh, just my passion for quilting. So it was a very active and very knowledgeable guild. And um, so that's really how I kept my hands in that creative side. So I never really left quilting for for any time at
1: all. I've always been doing it to some extent. So let's, you know, we have some time here, a few minutes before we take another break. But uh, you have a whole sort of business now. You've got tools, and I think, you know, there's all these things that you do now. But you were making quilts for yourself for fun um, while you were raising your family. How did you s- sort of get think about, or how did all this business of the applique and your tools start? We have about two minutes. Maybe you can okay. give me a brief.
0: Sure. Well, I was um, designing a, a quilt for my guild challenge,
2: oh, and okay. once again
0: as a busy mother of three I didn't have a whole lot of time to put into that project but I've always loved applique and that's what I wanted to do but I didn't I knew I didn't have time to hand applique so I designed this quilt and it's just hundreds of little leaves and I was (laughs) cutting out these leaves with scissors one day and I said you know there just has to be a better way to do this Mm -hmm. I know I can cut a simple leaf shape with my rotary cutter and Mm -hmm. if I can do that with four layers of fabric I can do four leaves at once so ah. that was the initial idea, but it kind of took off a little turn from there. Mm. I kind of dreamt up this idea of, well, if I stack those leaves one on top of the other, I don't just have to cut out one leaf at a time. I can cut a whole series of leaves with that rotary cutter and get these applique quilts done so much faster. So that's how it all started.
1: Ah, so it was necessity. You were like, I need to do this quick.
0: I need- <laughs> yes. I need a way to make this faster and more fun. You know, so yeah. many people that applique because it's tedious. Mm-hmm. I just wanted a, a faster and fun way to do it.
1: Okay. So, you know, when you were showing your guild um – did, okay, we have we have about thirty seconds, Sue. So I don't think I can. I want to get a long answer. Uh, <laughs> so what did you, what, what, did, you know, what I want to ask you would have been a longer answer. So um, yeah, no yeah, we won't. We, so what we're going to do is, we're just going to take a break here in a second. But before we do, do you, you do a lot of traveling, right? I do.
0: I love to travel, and um, I travel with my job, but I also travel for pleasure. And we'll talk a little bit later, but I've just gotten home from a trip to England and France and have so much (laughs) fun.
4: Join American Patchwork and Quilting on Facebook for daily quilting inspiration, tips, giveaways, and more. Find us at facebook.com backslash apqmagazine. This quilting tip brought to you by Moda Fabrics. Visit modafabrics.com or your local quilt shop to see the latest fabric collections. Press and seal can be used to hold pieced units in place before sewing together.
1: Welcome back to American Patrick and Quilting's talk show. I'm your host, uh, Pat Sloan. and We're talking to Sue Pellin of Sue Pellin Designs. So, Sue, your little leaf that you did for your charity project or your guilds project, um, and you invented, you know, like, okay, I'm going to make a bunch of these fast with a rotary cutter. Um, Did somebody look at that and say to you, you know, I want to do the same thing? Well, you know, I... I had
0: a friend that was uh, making templates. And when I had this idea for a template that would make this basic leaf shape, I asked her how she got her prototype made. Mm -hmm. And so she sent me off to get a prototype made of this tool. So I brought that prototype in to show my guild how I had made that quilt so quickly. Wow. And by the time I had the prototype made, I had made it out of paper first, and I had Mm -hmm. been playing with it. And I realized with this basic curvy tool, it didn't just make leaf shapes. I could make five basic shapes, including your vines, your basic leaves, like an S-shape and a Z-shape curve, as Mm. well as a a lemon-shaped leaf. And I could make all of those shapes four layers of fabric infusible at a time. And then I'll fuse all of my applique down and buttonhole stitch the edges. So I brought that in to show the guild, and I gave them a little lecture about how I made those quilts. And they were all ready to sign up. They were like, <laughs> I need to have one of these tools. So I took orders that yeah. night that I gave a little demo for my guild, and I went ahead and I had 100 of those tools made. Mm-hmm. And I went to a local quilt show, um, which is a national quilt show, but it's local for me, mm-hmm. uh, Machine Filters Expo. And I actually didn't just make the tool in one size because mm-hmm. I liked the variety of different sizes of leaves. So I made the tools in three different sizes. I had 100 of each made. And by the time I got done with that one show in my quilting guild, everything was sold out. Yeah. And that's how my business got started. <laughs> my guild wanted them. The manufacturer didn't want to make less than 100. So I took mm-hmm. a chance and I had them made and sold them out on that very first show. So that was a lot of fun, and it gave me the incentive I needed to keep going with this project.
1: Yeah, it's just a lot. it's a lot to manufacture your own tools and then market your own tools and, you know – Get the word out about them. So that's uh. And I had
0: and I had no idea what I was getting myself <laughs> into.
1: <laughs> See, fearless, you're fearless, Sue. You're just like, hey, I like it. Let's make a few hundred. Uh, okay. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a chance. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So when you're doing um, applique, you're doing full fusible, or what kind of fusible do you, I assume? Because you're not cutting it away, right?
0: exactly when you're cutting four layers at a time yeah. what i do is i fuse the entire piece of fabric layer stack up those fabrics four at a time so i say i might do a fat quarter mm-hmm. i'll fuse the entire fat quarter stack four of them up and then cut that all out with my rotary cutter so there's no opportunity to cut out the centers of your pieces doing mm-hmm. that window pane technique and there's no need to because i use Misty Fuse mm-hmm. and to me
1: it is the best fusible out there i just Absolutely love it. Have you so used these before? before? No, I, I, have, I have had it. Um, it's not the mm-hmm. one I use because I tend to cut it out. So it's uh, – yeah. okay. I came from the world of hand applique, so I like that sort of – and I use really large shapes. My shapes are right. super big, so it's uh, mm-hmm. like a little different thought process with large shapes for me. Sure. Um, sure. So I'm – I'm curious, When you're, do you have a tip for, like, I, I'm not used to personally fusing a large sheet of, of mm-hmm. uh, fabric, you know, a big chunk of fabric. Is there a way or is there anything you need to know to be sure it, it stays, doesn't ripple?
0: No, there really isn't. The Misty Fuse goes on really easily. Mm-hmm. And um, people are a little afraid of Misty Fuse sometimes because it doesn't have a paper backing. Right, But what you do is you use your applique pressing sheet just like you would the paper.
1: Mm -hmm. So
0: I put my fabric with the pretty side down, and then I put a layer of Misty Fuse on the back of that fabric, and then I lay out my applique pressing sheet to cover the whole thing. And you just press it with your hot iron for a few seconds until that Misty Fuse melts, and then you peel away your applique pressing sheet, leaving the Misty Fuse behind on the fabric. So yeah. it's a really easy process. It's just a little unusual because people aren't used to not having that paper backing. Right. But it gives me a lot of advantages not to be working with that paper backing because I'm never going to trace my shapes. I'm simply going to come out with my tools that already give me the right shapes and sizes that I need.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it's perfect for what you do. And I would imagine, uh, I, I think that it's a little harder, when the paper-backed ones, to fuse big sheets, I think that they relax right. over time. But the paper, you know, it, you're heating paper.
0: Right, right. Yeah. The applique pressing sheet is a really nice tool because it's. Um, I I use the one that's Teflon coated fiberglass, mm-hmm. so it's very stable. It doesn't ripple as you use, as you heat it. Mm-hmm. It always stays nice and flat. So it's a really nice product.
1: Okay, so I have to mention to everybody now. We'll just change gears a tiny bit. i have that when i I came to to try to meet you uh, at the trade show. Uh, Yes, yes, yes. The lady told me, oh, you. And I wasn't there. No, you weren't there. You were like, oh, so sorry. She's in Paris. Uh, (laughs) Well, yes, my daughter just did a study abroad program, and she spent the last five
0: months in Paris, and she arrived home last night.
2: Oh. So she's,
0: she's back to Massachusetts and back to school today.
1: So when you went to Paris, um, did you do any fabric shopping? Oh,
0: unfortunately, I didn't. I was there for such a short period of time, and I was really there to kind of live life through my daughter's eyes in her Mm -hmm. semester in Paris. So she brought me to her school and to meet some of her teachers. And uh, so we didn't do any fabric shopping, but I did get to talk to one of her teachers who just happens to be a quilter. Cool. So we've kind of formed a little friendship now, and we're keeping in touch on Facebook. And um, next time I go, she's going to take me fabric shopping.
1: That <laughs> yeah, Because you will go again,
0: right? <laughs> well, funny thing is, Pat, I just got back from another trip. And um, I went to London to meet my daughter again. This time I brought my husband with me. Mm-hmm. And we spent a week in London with my daughter and then just quick over to Paris on the yes. um, high-speed train uh, once again to show my husband where she had gone to school. Mm-hmm. And this time, I got to go to Liberty Fabrics, and I just oh. had a ball, and I brought home a bunch of Liberty Fabrics. That'll be in my next project.
1: Oh, how exciting. Yeah, just gorgeous, gorgeous fabrics. Um, oh, yeah. butter. Beautiful. Yes, Yes. Oh so how tell so I've us. I have done quite a bit of travelling yeah. since you since you tried to meet me. I know. You're never home. You're never home. You're I'm never out home. And out. Yes. <laughs> uh, and you do on your website, do you have a place where you where people can find out where you are, you know, traveling to teach or vending? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah,
0: so there's a calendar over on the right-hand side of my website. And on the calendar, it has where I'm vending or where I'm lecturing or teaching. And uh, so people are always welcome to go there and see where they can meet me next. Now, I have uh, curtailed my travel just a little bit because I'm getting involved in a new project, and I needed to have some more time at home in order to mm-hmm. kick off this new project that I'm working on.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's You know, travel is wonderful, but then when you want to develop something, you need some time in your studio. Um, yeah,
0: you, you really need that. some creative time. And travel tends to get extended on both ends with the whole packing and you know unpacking mm-hmm. of materials. And so when I do travel, it's uh, it takes a lot of time to get ready for all of that. So, yeah, I'm sp- staying a little closer to home for the next six months or so.
1: Yeah so um we have you have a couple more minutes um and i thought you if you could share with me sort of, a, sort of an insight into your process for designing a project you know you can just pick whatever project you want to sort of channel in your brain and tell us how did you go through designing it
0: well, I'm I'm staring uh, for inspiration for this talk. I'm staring at a quilt that my mom actually made for me and my husband for our um for our wedding. And she made this quilt back in the 90s and Ooh. it's just beautiful hand appliqué, hand quilting. It's it's a beautiful sampler quilt of all different appliqué blocks. And that was my inspiration for my latest project. So, my latest project is My goal was to find a way to teach all of these people that have been buying my tools for the last almost 10 years, um, I want to teach them how to really get the best use out of those tools. So I'm developing a block of the month program for them to follow along with me and quote along with me on my website Mm -hmm. and learn how to use the tools um, to their fullest advantage. So I have this beautiful quilt in front of me that my mom did with all hand quilting and hand applique. And I kind of took that idea and translated it into a fused quilt. Hmm. So every block is different, but they all use the same um, kind of palette of shapes is what Mm -hmm. I call it. Yeah, I can make um, about 15 different shapes with my tools. So I, I didn't mention, I not only have my Leaves Galore tools, which were my original tools, but I've also developed a new set of tools called the Hearts and More tools, and that makes a wider variety of shapes. Mm-hmm. So between the two tools, there's about 15 shapes that I can cut with my rotary cutter. Yeah. So I-, I used that as my palette, and I designed 12 different applique blocks, and they're nice, big 20-inch blocks.
3: Oh, that's so, nice.
0: Uh, yeah, so it's a real fun way to to play with the tools, get to know how to use them. And I'm always inspired by these older and more traditional quilts, mm-hmm. and so that's where this one began, in a real yeah. traditional quilt.
1: And you do take a a fresh take on the color palettes for them, and I think, you know, your work appeals to me, Sue, because you don't uh, have, like, that super fussy level of detail that, like, old-style applique often had, like, think Baltimore album style.
0: Yeah, no, it's got to be fast and fun for me. (laughs) Baltimore album is just too intricate. Um, But, you know, I love to get my inspiration from Today's Fabrics, Mm-hmm. But yesterday's quilts. Yeah. And so I'm I I kind of look it at what's out there right now in the line of fabrics and how I can bring that into my quilt to to update the look so it doesn't look like it was made back in the eighteen hundreds. So I've made quilts, you know, based on K. facet fabrics or Tula Pink fabrics, and and this one now has a more traditional look, but it's based on the Tim Holtz line of those okay. beautiful subdued background fabrics. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And then
0: I just work out of out of my stash sometimes for the applique, and this quilt came right out of my stash
1: ah. for all the a- fabrics. That's encouraging to everybody. So you know, you can buy well, some backgrounds.
0: Yeah, I wanted um, people that wanted to take this class with me to be able to work out of their stash and not have to buy a kit for this whole thing. So if they love the look, they can go out and buy the Tim Holtz backgrounds. But all the applique
1: colors can be anything put on top of that, and it'll kind of give it that same flavor. Yeah, it's his um, fabric lines have sort of a antiquey, vintagey, um, distressed look a little bit. Yeah, for-
0: which really appeals to me. Yeah, I, I really love that look.
1: Yeah, it's very... Like my
0: quilts are so varied. You know, some mm-hmm. of my quilts are totally, you know, modern color palettes. And so it's, it's really what ties them all together are mm-hmm. those 15 basic shapes. Yeah. And then I don't work in a spe- specific style. I really am inspired by the fabrics that I see that I'm drawn to and... Mm-hmm. Um, the quilt kind of takes on that style for that particular quilt, but my well, next quilt might be completely different because i completely different.
1: different well, Sue, so, Sue, so this has been so much fun. I really appreciate uh, being able to catch you while you're home and not on travel. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: Oh, oh, I do love to travel, and I'm going to keep going, just um, just going to curtail it for a little while.
1: Okay. Well, everybody visit Sue at SuePellandDesigns.com, and I'm Pat Sloan. You can come to Facebook to quilt along with Pat Sloan. Visit All American Patchwork and Quilting at All People Quilt Online, and uh, jump into their UFO Facebook group. Remember to
0: visit allpeoplequilt.com for more information on topics from today's show, as well as how-to videos, free printable patterns, and additional tips and techniques. Thanks for listening to American Patchwork and Quilting Radio.